Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. So if you haven't been here, uh, we started the series here beginning of January, and I just, I just thought I'm going to sit down and talk because usually I have to stand up, so it's been good though. Man, I just feel such peace in here this morning. I mean, you know, peace is just like, sometimes it's like that, that golden nugget we need in life, isn't it? I know we've been going through a lot in the last year, almost now. I'll tell you, there's just something about having peace in life. And, and you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything else. Just to know that, uh, and, and it's not necessarily all the circumstances are right. You know, I found in my life that I can still tap into that peace, whether everything is lining up the way that I think it should or not whether people are treating me right or not. And, you know, I've had to learn a lot to take the higher road and say, okay, I'm going to trust you, Heavenly Father, in this, and I'm still going to treat people with honor and dignity and love and grace, regardless if they do that with me. Because we live in a society that it's, it's all about revenge. I mean, just look at Hollywood movies, right? I mean, and I, I, I love a good movie like anyone else, but sometimes it's all about how can I pay you back and, and make you pay for what you've done to me. But one of the hardest things to do is just release things, you know. This isn't part of our message today, but I just feel like that's on my heart to just encourage you, you know, especially in this new year as we're planning out our lives and looking at new ways to pursue things, maybe part of that is letting some things go, letting people off the hook. Uh, sometimes I think we, have you ever felt like you know deep down that you should forgive and release people, but there's this, this like nagging idea that they're going to get away with it? They're getting away with something if I let them go. But do you know that forgiveness is, it's not so much about that person, it's about you. When you let them off the hook, you're actually letting yourself off the hook. You're releasing those things. And uh, especially in the climate that we have here in the United States with it being a political year and, and all those types of things. I mean, I've seen people who used to be friends who aren't anymore over politics. Over what side of the aisle you're on. That baffles me. Now, years ago, I was caught up in that, and I was one side versus the other, but I'm over all that. The kingdom is completely different. It's dead center. I often say this, that Jesus isn't Republican or Democrat. He's independent, very independent. He has his own kingdom. So as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes we need to go back to how would Jesus treat a person in this situation? Come on now. I'm just being honest. And it's going to relieve us of so much anxiety, you know? I remember I would walk away from an election, and if my guy didn't win, man, it was like a week of depression. Why? <laughs> I'm still here, <laughs> right? I still have purpose. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I guess what's really helped me is looking at, I was just talking to, this morning to, to some people about it. You know, sometimes we, we think our life might be so bad, but then I look at the life of the apostles, who gave their lives, brothers and sisters who were fed to the lions over what they believed. And I'm not talking about the football team. That wouldn't do much, just gnaw on you a little bit. But, but you know, fed the real lions. And, and I'm not facing that. I mean, someone called me a name on Facebook. Well, it's not really the same as being fed the lions, you know. I'm, I'm barely on social media anymore. It's, it's freedom. It's awesome. 
But I really, the reason I do these things in my life, and as I've grown and, and been on this journey, that I've kind of disengaged from maybe uh, the political arena and social media and things like that, is because I want to make sure that I'm doing what God's called me to do. And I'm doing it with grace and I'm doing it with love. Does that make sense? I'm not saying you can't be part of those things. I, should, I think we should be part of everything, but we should understand that we're coming at it from a different vantage point. It's, it's from the vantage point of the kingdom. Does that make sense? And so even in a series we've been doing called What's Next, we've been looking at you know, our life, really taking a snapshot, an honest snapshot of where we are. Because I think, like, like you know, just to play off what Devin was saying, it's a new year, but that doesn't mean all the circumstances change. But that also doesn't mean that we should just wait and say, I guess I'll plan to have some goals next year. We still have to have goals in our life. If we take that snapshot and we're honest and, and looking at those percentages on the life wheel, if you weren't here, then you can check those out on the podcast or in other, you know, uh, go back in Facebook and check them out. But we had this life wheel and it's everything from your finances to your spirituality, to your family time, to recreation time, all those things. These are just really practical things that we need to look at in life and, and see where are the percentages of time and what am I spending on? And then through that process of being honest, then you also have to understand that there's obstacles that are going to have to be overcome. Every time you set out to go on a new path, you're going you're to encounter obstacles, right? Even, even Jesus said, it's impossible that offense won't come. That word offense actually means it's like this trigger on a trap, right? And it's there. It's a trap. It's set for you to set you up. But you have to know that as you're planning ahead. And then last week, we talked about asking better questions. So at this point... We should have some idea of what our goals are going to be or we want them to be. And so the last few weeks, we really focused on and centered on goal setting. But this week, I want to talk about, as we wrap this up, bring it to a close this series, goal doing. Say goal doing. It's a big difference in just setting a goal and then doing the goal. I've done that before. I've had, man, I'm a list guy. I told the story when Chris and I first got married we were sitting there one night, and we needed a few items, you know, at the store, and it was kind of late, and I'm like, we'll just run up real quick. So, you know, I go over, I turn on the computer. This is back before we had, like, really cool cell devices and stuff. I turn on the computer. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm firing up the computer so I can open Word and make a list. She's like, oh, my God, turn the computer off. We're just going to the store to grab a couple items, you know. So I'm all about lists and things, but sometimes I have a tendency to make lists but then not do what's on the list. Because it's one thing to have a goal, right? It's another thing to do it. It's very important to move from goal setting to goal doing. And there's a big difference between, you know, having or setting a goal and actually stepping out and achieving that goal. How many would agree? So sometimes in that process, and a big thing for me is procrastination. That just, I mean, my personality lends itself to that. I can have all these goals and dreams, but I have a tendency to procrastinate. And the reason is, is because you know, between my Enneagram and my personality, I have this, I don't know, I just have to have everything in line and in order before I can step forward. So I'm like, well, there's still a couple things that need to line up, but sometimes, no, don't wait for those things to line up. Just step out and start to pursue this goal. Now, for others of us, or other times even in my life, it was a fear of failure. Without a show of hands, how many people can agree that sometimes you just didn't step out on something because there was the fear of failure? That's why last week when we asked these really important five questions, one of those was, can I live with the downsides? Is there a downside to this goal? 
Is there a chance I could fail? Was really what we're saying. And if there is, it doesn't mean you don't pursue it, but just know going in, there's a chance for that. And then what that does is if you know going in, this could fail, this is a risk, well then, you know, it helps to alleviate some of that fear of failure, knowing that, well, it may or it may not. But if I never step out, I'll never achieve this in this area of my life. And sometimes it's just plain not knowing what the next step is. I don't know where to go from here. And not having a distinct plan laid out. I love this in Proverbs 21.5. I've read this every single week, but I think it rings true to what we're talking about. Solomon says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Think about that. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Isn't this true? And you notice it's not just planning, it's careful planning. So by now, we get it, right? I'm hoping after you know, three going into four weeks, we understand that you know, we need to set a plan. We should have set some goals. But here's the thing. Walking it out is something completely different. And probably one of the most important things in this goal doing, not just goal setting, but goal doing, is having daily disciplines. Say those two words with me. Daily disciplines. <laughs> Say it again. Daily disciplines. Now listen, when I say daily disciplines, some of us get a little uneasy, don't we? Some of us cringe a little bit at the idea of having these daily disciplines. And let's be honest. I mean, when it comes to this idea of discipline, you know, it's not the funnest thing in the world to do, right? But I think it's really necessary in order for us to attain our goals or to keep focus. But again, this, this is not an unspiritual series, I say it all the time, but everything's spiritual. See, sometimes we put, and I know on the life wheel, we have this specific area, this wedge, this piece of the pie, if you will, that says spirituality. But I want us to understand that everything's spiritual because you're a spiritual being. In, in him we live, move, and have our being. Your very animation in life is because of the spirit of God in you. That applies to every single person on the planet. Without the spirit of God... You know, the one whom all and everything is made through and for, you wouldn't be here, right? That would change your mentality too when you look outside the church walls and you're like, oh, that's them, we're us. No, there's no us and them. Not in the kingdom anyway. Jesus never separated and divided people into groups, if you notice. He accepted the religious, the unreligious, the sinner, the Pharisee, no matter what your background, where you came from, your social status, it didn't matter. What you did in your past, how good you were, how bad you were, it didn't matter. You all were just level playing field with Jesus. And then he began to show people who they were. He would show them their identity. And then if change needed to transpire, guess what? The change came because of his acceptance for them. That's how the church should be. We should accept before change. And sometimes we need to realize that our idea of change isn't what God's idea of change is for that person. Does that make sense? But often what the church does is we, we kind of put the cart before the horse. We say, well, you change and then I'll accept you. But that's never how Jesus operated in life. Just a little nugget for you there, but think on that for a little bit. But we have to be honest about this when we're, when we're doing this, that everything's spiritual because everything is connected. And you know, for those of us who are really into the idea of the grace message, some of you over a decade ago really were introduced to this idea that pulled you maybe out of, 
you know, evangelicalism and legalism into this idea of God's grace and how just huge and overwhelming it is and how sufficient it is and how it's kind of changed your idea of how even the face of God looks. And for us, we thought, wow, I mean, we had a pretty distorted face of this angry God who you had to please by what you do. But then we had awakened to this idea that he's pleased simply because you're his child. Right, And we see that in the example of Jesus at his baptism, before going into ministry, before performing one miracle, proving himself, a voice from heaven says what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So it wasn't what Jesus did that caused the father to love him and be pleased with him. It's because of who he was. It's the same with us. But what's really cool is from that place of true identity, of acceptance, of knowing who he was, Jesus launched in the ministry. And then we see his life. And I think when you understand who you are, and this is really, again, what this series is about. It's understanding who we are and how we function. And as you start to get that in line, you'll see that you'll even treat people differently. You'll accept people that maybe you didn't at one point in your life. It's absolutely beautiful. That's just how the kingdom works. That's how love works and grace works. But for some of us, this grace message, you know, really changed us. But sometimes we have to realize that, that grace doesn't mean there's nothing to do. But let me say it like this. Living a life of grace doesn't mean living a life of laziness. And so, you know, now for a time, some people, when they discover God's grace, that, wow, my motivation was wrong. I was doing things because I thought I had to prove myself or to be okay with God. And so setting things down for a little while may be a good thing to do, but eventually we're called with purpose to do something. So we have to pick some things back up, maybe leave some things behind, or even the, the reasons or the motivations for what we do, Right. But then we, we come into this new way of how we do things. And I get it oftentimes when, when we've come out of, again, you know, evangelicalism, uh, legalism into God's grace, we just, we feel burnt out and we're relieved that there's nothing that we have to do, so to speak. But what we can miss in this process is that there's always something to do. And maybe we just did it again from the wrong motivation. Is that making sense this morning? So we just talked last week about the fact that we're created to do good works. And I love this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. Some translations say his handiwork, his masterpiece. Created what? In Christ Jesus for what? Say it with me. Good works. So you're created to do work. It's good works. Which, by the way, God prepared beforehand so that you would what? Walk in them. So that's kind of neat to think about, that God's already prepared these things beforehand. Now, I'm speaking to some people this morning who they don't see any good. They don't see any worth in themselves. I'm, I'm here to say that every single person has worth. This isn't a sweet, pretty Sunday message thing that I'm just saying. This is the truth. God loves you. He cares for you. What you've been called to is important. It's essential, not just for the church, but for the world. And so that's why we're having this series. So maybe you can tap into some of that potential that you haven't seen before. Some of those gifts and abilities that you haven't realized were there. As you do, I'm telling you, it's such fulfillment. And it's not only that you fulfill yourself, you're fulfilling those around you. But when I read this scripture, I see that there's work that was prepared beforehand. So God has already had a plan for you to do some work. But again, it's that motivation, right? In fact, I think about this. The very person who wrote this letter, the Apostle Paul, 
He was considered the apostle of grace. How many have heard that term? But I mean, from what I read, he was one of the most hardworking, unlazy people I know. I mean, this guy was bivocational. He was a tent maker. He would set up shop in an area for two, three, four, five months, maybe longer, establish churches while he was working. I mean, this guy was all about it. And this is someone who, I mean, this guy was trained by, I'm trying to think uh, the name of the Pharisee, really well-known teacher of the law who was taught by, it starts with a G. I have to get back to you on that. But I was studying his history and he was just really a renowned Pharisee, religious leader, who Paul was taught by. And he was really being groomed to be something big in the religious organization. And he gave it all up because he was introduced to Jesus, the one whom he was persecuting. And he changed everything in life and even went to his grave for the cause of Christ. So all that to say that having daily disciplines is not unscriptural. It's not lacking in grace. In fact, it's his grace that is sufficient to help us follow through, I believe, in these goals and what he's called to us to. And I think that's really, for me anyway, an advantage in that when you start discovering you know, what your gifts are, what your abilities are, where this life wheel is, it's like you have this extra oomph, so to speak. You have Holy Spirit there encouraging you, showing you that you're worth it, showing you that you can do this. And again, this isn't just a motivational speech thing. It's just, it's just the truth of who we are. And so he's there to encourage you in all of this. And I want you to remember this. Your gifts and abilities aren't just for yourself. They're here to benefit others. You hear that a lot from the pulpit. You hear that a lot from me. But as I've grown in this walk, let me tell you, people, I, I've grown a lot in my theology, in the way that I see God, in the way that I see myself. And I think that's something we should do. So we, you know, the term is you eat the grapes and you spit out the seeds, right? So the good stuff you keep, and sometimes you have to just spit some stuff out, but always honor where you came from. I, I, I'm so... Um, happy and just, you know, excited in my life that I had all this foundation in life because my, my dad was like a, a pot-smoking, drug-selling hippie in the 70s. And Jesus got a hold of him and it radically changed his life. I don't know where I would be today if it weren't for that radical change in my dad's life. I really don't. Even with the plan that God had for my life, all those things, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know if I'd even be alive. But here I am. And so what you do is you just, you build. That's just a foundation and another foundation, another foundation. And you don't throw everything out. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Listen, we're all growing. We're on a journey. And so when you discover something new and Holy Spirit shows you something that's a little different than something else, or maybe that you were off on something, ah, you just move on from it, right? But you don't dishonor where you came from. Is that making sense? And so this idea of daily disciplines is really important you know, back in 2012, just a personal story, I began to get this motivation to get my health under control. And I just knew that some things weren't lining up. I was just having some issues with my body. Nothing super, you know, crazy, but I knew enough about health and fitness, lots of knowledge, not always applied. I knew enough about it that I knew I could change some things through my diet, especially, but also through, you know, just some good exercise. And so, over the course of about a three, four-year journey, I had lost weight. I became stronger. I was more fit. I mean, I just felt better overall. It was awesome. But the thing is, it took discipline. It wasn't easy at first. 
especially when you're changing old habits. I mean, these taste buds, they get used to stuff. They don't want to go for the other stuff, right? I used to have this thing. I'm like, man, I wish, a, I wish broccoli tastes like Swiss cake rolls. Then I'd be like golden, right? Which I haven't had a Swiss cake roll in years now. But at that time, my God, I almost ran off the road once, grabbed my, my Swiss cake roll. I'll tell you that story another time. But that's how important it was to me. But, but the, the, my point is, I had to make some daily disciplines and say, okay, this isn't easy, but we're going to do it. And so it took discipline. It wasn't an easy road. But the benefits far outweighed the work that it took to set those goals and meet those goals. But here's the thing, not having daily disciplines in certain areas of my life, when it came to health, it caused me to eventually stop doing many of the things that I had done. And so it's been a roller coaster ride. Now, again, maybe you've experienced some of this in different, I like, is that roller coaster? I like that. Roller coaster ride in life. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off. But, but, I mean, for all of us, no matter what area of life we're in, it could just be a roller coaster ride for us. And so we have to realize that we have to have daily disciplines in order to keep these things in focus. And, of course, I reverted back to some old ways, and I began to not enjoy the benefits of a healthy lifestyle. Does that make sense? Has anyone ever been there? Now, I would say that I did hold on to some of those things. Some of the things that I had made changes on, it's like I wouldn't go past a certain line when it came to eating certain things and doing certain things. And so in the last year, we've really made some decisions again in how we eat and what we do. And even this year, trying to get my health back. Because, you know, back then I think, you know, my gosh, it seems so long ago. I mean, that's almost 10 years ago. I think it wasn't all for the right reasons, right? Because, you know, I mean... The thing is, I wasn't a fitness model, but I'm following people who were. It's like, maybe go a different route. So I've learned from that, that I don't have to be that person. The main and most important thing to me is my health. I want to live a long, healthy life in order to enjoy my family and my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids and maybe, just maybe, my great-great-grandchildren. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so I'm realizing now how important family is. And so in that realizing that there's importance there with family, I've said, I got to do some things for my health because I want to be around. I mean, I, I really feel like I've acquired knowledge and revelation in life. I have some things that I can impart into them. And so I want to be here for them and the next generation. So really, I had to ask myself the question, why am I failing in this area of my life? Why does it seem to be such a struggle and a downfall? Now, remember, we're being completely honest with ourselves, and I'm kind of laying myself out there, but you all have your own stories of health or spirituality or finances or any of those things that you struggle with. What is that struggle? As I'm telling my story, think of your story. And why is it that you feel, why is it that you fail in these areas and you feel like you just can't break through that wall? Well, the simple answer is, and you know, that I wasn't doing the, the things that brought success. I didn't have those daily disciplines. You might be familiar with John Maxwell, but he says this. He says, the common denominator of success is forming the habit of doing things that failures do not like to do. The common denominator of success is forming the habit of doing things that failures do not like to do. I don't think he was being condescending here. This is really his personal journey, his personal life, and this is your personal journey and your personal life. But listen, until we do the things that failures don't like to do, we won't have success in an area. There's just no way around it. And I get it. 
You know, sometimes there's situations where, I mean, there's people in authority who have thwarted your plans and, and come against you in all ways, and you can't really control that. But I think for the most part, we do have control of the decisions that we make for our own life, right? It's kind of funny. He, he says to John Maxwell, he says, to just look at what failures don't like to do, do those things, and it's almost a guarantee that you're going to be successful. So it's important that we have these these daily disciplines. Now, there's two types of pain in life I'd like to talk about when it comes to setting goals. And then we're going to get into just a a couple uh, different disciplines that we can utilize in our own life. Like I said, really practical, really not my wheelhouse, but I really enjoyed this time. It's really helped me. We were uh, out yesterday for a little bit, the wife and I with no kids. It was, what's going on here? This is really awesome. But we were just hanging out and, and, and doing some running around and we were just talking about our goals and, and shifting some ideas and thinking that we've had, really a paradigm shift of what we see about ourselves and where we want to go. And so it was just a great conversation. But, you know, it's really, it's transpired because of the series for me, studying these things, bringing some practical things to you that's helped me to reassess some of my goals in life. But there's really two types of pain in life. Number one, the pain of self-discipline. The pain of self-discipline. How many would agree that when you've really disciplined yourself in an area, it wasn't the easiest thing to do? It definitely can be a pain. But I do believe that it's always eased by the reward of the progress. When you see progress in that area, it kind of eases the pain of self-discipline a little bit, doesn't it? And if you don't practice the pain of self-discipline, you'll end up practicing number two, which is the pain of regret. I think we've all experienced this in life, whatever that is. And no matter what, I don't want you to walk out of here today under condemnation. We all make mistakes. We make wrong decisions, me included, several times over. But we can't just say, well, that's what I am, a bunch of mistakes, a bunch of wrong decisions. We need to make different decisions to help us in our life, right? So the pain of regret. And the thing about regret is that it increases with missed opportunities and also with age. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I would have known. See, a lot of times I didn't, I didn't make decisions because I didn't have the knowledge. And have you ever looked back and thought, man, I wish I would have known this at 20 or 25? But sometimes we learn through that process of failing. And so we can capitalize and build on those things. But the pain and regret, I mean, it increases with missed opportunities and age. We've all said that, boy, I wish I have followed through on that decision. I mean, man, I, I wish I would have pushed through and seized that opportunity when I was younger. And so if you've had those, those moments, if you said things that sounded that way, then maybe now you can make different decisions to say, you know what, I'd rather live with the pain of self-discipline than the pain of regret. And so it's just a really important thing to learn in life. So daily disciplines, say daily disciplines. They run hand in hand with our goal setting. So it comes down I believe, to two specific things. The first one is the decisions I make each day. Every day we're presented with opportunities and we can make decisions. But the second thing is the disciplines that I practice each day. So you can make a decision, but you also have to walk it out. You have to practice those disciplines when you make those decisions. It's really an ongoing process. And I would like to say this, that we're never finished. Life's not over till it's over. Life's not over, right? It's not over till the fat lady say, who made that one up? Where did that come from? What is the history of that? Why are we degrading people? Jeez. 
But you know, it's true. Like until you're in the grave, you can still do stuff, right? And I think oftentimes that's the issue with retirement. You know, retirement, we've been taught that you, you work somewhere, you, you give them 25, 30, 35 years, 50 years of your life, and then you retire and you don't do anything anymore, and then you just die. But retirement should be more like, I had a fulfilled life where I made some, some good goals, I pursued those goals, I made good decisions, I had disciplines in my life, I actually, you know, pursued things that I had passion for and enjoyed, but then that was a phase in my life, I'm going to move on to the next phase now, I don't really like the idea of retirement, maybe next phase is better, we don't just quit and die, why? There's so much life in you, I mean, if you retire at 55 or 60, come on, you could have another 40, 50 years in there, right, especially if you make some good decisions on health, (laughs) So I just want to take the next few minutes and I want to discuss two disciplines that I believe are essential for success in any goal that we set. Now, something that I want to say up front before we get into these disciplines is that I haven't arrived. I, I, I'm not up here because I'm perfect. If the prerequisite for being a preacher was perfection, no one would be a preacher. No one would be somebody who could try to motivate you and give you knowledge. And, you know, every time I'm up here, I believe I'm sharing truth. But even those truths that I'm sharing, it doesn't mean I live them 100% all the time. I'm on a journey just like you. So I want you to see that I'm not speaking from a place of arrival, like I've arrived. Is there a halo around my head? You know, is there light glowing? Well, there's kind of lights glowing behind me, but it's not an aura from me. I'm just like you. I'm on a journey with you guys. And there's some days where I don't do so well at this. There's other days where I do succeed in these things. It's just life. So don't be disheartened before we even break down the disciplines. Are you with me? I love you guys so much. I really, truly want you to be successful in your life. I want you to achieve everything that God has already put within you to achieve the good works that he's prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. That's what I'm trying to help us do all together. So I just want you to be the best version of yourselves. And then in turn, guess what? You can be the best version of yourself for those around you. So number one, say number one. Responsibility. This is a biggie. Responsibility. Accepting responsibility for your goals is extremely necessary. Like I said before, we can set goals, but you know, if we're not goal doing, and part of this is the discipline of responsibility, it's not going to happen. It just won't. There's a writer and a novelist named Michael Corda, and he says this. He says, success on any major scale requires you to accept responsibility. In the final analysis, the one quality that all successful people have, listen to this, is the ability to take on responsibility. So for a lot of us, you know, maybe we set goals each year and we don't follow through, but maybe part of it is because we don't have the daily discipline of responsibility. We're not actually taking responsibility for our life. And, you know, Chris and I, we, we found this in our own life, especially when we've been pursuing just new ways of thinking on the foods that we, what we put in our body. You know, as we're getting older, things, you know, can creak and crick and do weird things. You're like, what just happened? But as we progress in age, we start thinking about what, how can we feed our body the right stuff? And so we've had to daily discipline and she's really good at reminding me, remember that discipline of, of what we don't eat and what we're choosing, proper choices? Not because she doesn't care about me, but she cares about me. 
and we care about each other. And so we discuss these things. And that's just one area. Maybe for you, it's time to sit down at the table and actually plan your finances. Put a budget together. Right? It's always better to have more money at the end of the week than more week at the end of the money. Always. It's, it's amazing when an opportunity presents itself where someone needs help and you have the wherewithal to help. I hate being in a situation where like, I wish I had it, but I don't. Like I've actually been in those situations where just to give 25 bucks to someone is taking it out of just a bill I have to pay. That's a horrible place to be. But through time and budgeting and discipline and taking responsibility, guess what happens? You can change how your life looks when it comes to finances. And this works in every arena, every facet of your life. You know, think about this when it comes to responsibility. Many people can show the abilities that they have, right? Look at all these abilities. Look at these things I can do. But the, the question to ask them is, do you have the ability to take responsibility? Because just having the abilities is one thing, but taking responsibility with those abilities, with those giftings, makes all the difference in the world. All successful people have this in common, responsibility. I love this quote. I think I heard this. I don't know if it, Ed Cole coined it or not, but maturity doesn't come with age. It comes with acceptance of responsibility. Have you ever met somebody who's in their 50s and they're less mature than your 25-year-old friend? So maturity isn't just with age. Now, it should happen. Some of you are laughing, so you know what I'm talking about. But, I mean, it's when people begin to accept responsibility, that's where maturity begins. And I've seen this in people who are teenagers. You're like, wow, they've, there's something about them. Yeah, they've determined to take responsibility for themselves and their actions. And so it's important. That's what maturity is. If I were to be honest, I would say that we live in a culture that doesn't necessarily want to take responsibility. We'd rather play the blame game. It's so easy to do. I mean, it goes back to the garden story, right? Playing the blame game. And so we look at others, and they're the cause for my being unsuccessful. I, I, because, I mean, think about it. Now, I get it. Again, in some situations, there are people who just maybe they have that authority or they're in that position where they can make it really hard for you to make those decisions. But I think in most cases, the reason people blame things on others is because there's only one other choice, taking responsibility. And so when we don't take responsibility, we can begin to blame others. Let's not do that anymore. If you've been one who, well, if this would have happened or that would have happened and the economy this and that president and that, hey, stop that. You make your own decisions. And it's not always easy and the circumstances aren't always peachy and perfect, but we still have to make these decisions. Listen, I'm talking to myself this morning. So if I get a little fired up, I'm probably just talking to myself. It's not you. I'm not mad at anyone, but I want us to understand that we have to begin to take responsibility. This is a decision. It's a discipline that we choose to make every day. So say this with me. I decide to accept responsibility and be responsible daily. Number two, values. Say values. Values is an interesting word, isn't it? You ever notice that everyone has different values? Now, let me say this. There is a difference between a practice and a value. A practice is an activity that may work in some situations, but not all. 
right? But a value applies to all situations. Do you follow me? So a practice is an activity. It's something that you can do, and it may work in many situations, but it's not going to work in every single situation. But I would say that a value will work every single time. Let me say it like this. Sometimes a practice works. Sometimes it doesn't. But values always work. So I'll give you an example. You know, we have four children, four wonderful children, ages of 10 to 31. Jeez, that's crazy. But, you know, what I found is when I first became a parent, you know, you ever notice this, that you kind of bring your discipline or how you were disciplined at your household into your household? Now, again, some of us may were like, I'm never doing it the way I get that. But then you find yourself doing it anyway that way. But most of us were trained to discipline based on how we were disciplined. And so, you know, when I came into the household, I just had this idea that discipline is just straight across the board. Everyone gets handed out the same exact discipline. That's how it works. That's, it's the only fair way to do it. But then I realized my kids had different personalities. And what worked for one wouldn't work for another. Like some children, they're just, they're very strong-willed. They're go-getters in life. And sometimes you have to have a really stern conversation with them, right? You have to really, like maybe this close. Well, maybe, maybe that close. But, you know, have that stern conversation with them and say, hey, You don't run the house, right? But then other kids, literally, you can look at them in the way that only a parent can look at their child when they're in trouble and they change. Why is that? Because they have different personalities. They have different ways of seeing life. And so what we found is our children who are more strong-willed, they needed more of that, like, no, I'm going to help you see that you're not the boss because you're in my house thing. With love and grace, right? We shouldn't be beaten. We shouldn't be yelling and screaming. We, you know, you shouldn't degrade your children and call them names. I mean, that is, don't do that. But there's times where you just say, hey, right? When you do that with other children, it just closes them off and they shut down. They don't respond the same way. And so I remember this guy, he was telling this story about when he was growing up, when he would do something wrong, his parents' response would be like, go to your room. How many have heard that before? Go to your room. Now, his personality was one of somebody who just, he, he loved to just be with people. Uh, he always had ideas going. He liked to be outside. He liked to just, just do stuff. And so for him, this was like a living hell. He's like, no, not the room, right? I mean, he would actually, in his story, he was saying, he's like, give me the paddle. Give me anything else. Just don't send me to my room. And so he said, he, you know, he grew up, he got married, he had a daughter. And so one day his daughter was doing something, it was out of line. He said, you know what, go to your room. So she went to her room. She was in her room for about an hour. Eventually he realized she hadn't come out. He goes, hey, you can come out of your room if you want. She didn't really respond. She was fine. He goes in there and looks and she's just reading and being creative and doing stuff. And he realized something. This isn't working for her. When I send her to her room, she's like, yes. I can do stuff now without people bothering me. I'm like that. When, when, when all this started happening with the pandemic and the close down, at first, my personality is like, I don't really need people most of the time. That's just me. Like, I mean, I'm a thinker. I'm creative. I can just do stuff for hours and people don't even have to be present. I'm okay. Now, I love relationships, but, you know, now I'm at the point where I'm like, dear God, I just want to be in public with my friends, right? But, but for me, sending me to my room would have been a delight. All right, see you guys later. Not going to bother me, right? And then I got stuff to do. 
My point is that, you know, different disciplines work differently for different children or different kids, right? And so the go to your room may work for one and it may not work for another. But, but here's the thing. A practice that works for one, let me say it like this, a practice that works for one child may not work for another. But here's the thing. The values that you're trying to instill, they work for both. So if, if your child is, is, is acting up, you know, I don't know, talking out of line, whatever it may be, they're doing something they shouldn't do. Well, the value is to say, no, we don't do that in our household. That is not going to go well with you. When you move out, if you were to do that, something else could happen worse than going to your room or being grounded. Does that make sense? So how you practice that discipline with them can be different, but the value remains the same because the value applies to all situations. So here's the thing. Values are also different than principles. A principle is an external truth. It's something that we could say is reliable. It's as reliable as the law of gravity. How many know this, that the law of gravity just works, even when you don't want it to, right? You slip on some ice, law of gravity is like, you're coming down. That's just what's going to happen. And so that's really what a principle is, but it's an external truth. Now, think of it like this. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 15.1. He said, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, isn't that true? I mean, I can just be full out like in an argument with somebody. And when they give harsh words back, it stirs it up. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. I don't have an issue with confrontation. But you know what's so frustrating as someone who loves confrontation? Is when you're trying to confront someone, they're like, yeah, I see your point. What? What? That gentle answer just completely turns off any plate. Because now you're like, well, now I'm just a jerk if I go off on this thing, Right? So there's something about this. This is a principle that's both universal and timeless. It works in all places, in all times. It was written thousands of years ago, but it's true for today, right? And so principles, I see them kind of like a map or a roadmap that allows us guidance in making our decisions. And I think that's really important. Refusing these, these principles, these external roadmaps, usually can lead us into a place where we just get completely lost in life. Right? And so it's important that we see this. But here's the thing about principles. principles. Principles become values when we internalize them as something of great importance to us. It's something that we can't live without. It's this internal map, if you will, for navigating our life and guiding our decisions. Again, have you ever just heard someone maybe verbalize their values and you're like, where'd those come from? Well, they've internalized a principle, and you haven't. And so they have values that you don't have. I mean, let's I mean, think about it. That's half the arguing on social media, is everyone has different values. <laughs> but a value is something that you hold true to. And, and to be honest with you, this is a side note. This has helped me to have conversations, to empathize, to be able to sit down with people who I completely disagree with on a subject, is when I realize, oh, this is a, a value to them. They've internalized this. This is reality to them. So for me to just say, you're wrong, is not going to go well. And sometimes what I found is that when you hear someone's story, you're hearing why they internalized a certain principle, why it's become a value. And all of a sudden, you're, even if you don't agree or you walk away agreeing to disagree, which is better than arguing, by the way, you can see their side, you can see their point. 
And it's brought such freedom because I can sit down with anyone. I don't care what background you're from. I don't care, you know, if you're Baptist or Pentecostal, Republican, Democrat, gay, straight. It doesn't matter to me. I can sit down with anyone and have conversations whether I agree with everything or not. But when I hear people's stories, it does something to my heart. And I go, wow, I see why you chose this road in life. I see why this is a value to you. And even if I don't agree, we can still be friends. We can still have relationship. We've lost the art of having relationship, folks. And I believe social media, man, I'm always against social media, it seems like. But man, it just, it's done something to us. I, I even think about you know, politics in the 80s when I was a teenager. I mean, sure, you had both sides, but man, it was not so polarized. You could literally sit down and have a conversation. Even if it was somewhat heated, you still would walk away as friends. And to this, I mean, today, you're unfriended that fast because of what you believe. But most of us don't know how to speak. There's no sympathy. There's no empathy. We just say what we say because, gosh darn it, this is what I believe. Okay, well, everyone doesn't. So is it worth ruining friendships and relationships over a political view, over a worldview? All right. Get back to the message. It's, it's great. Show us how to set goals, Pastor. <laughs> Maybe some of you, the goal is to actually begin to listen to people around you and hear their story in life. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really brought me to a better place in my life. And it, yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's so easy to, de- to dehumanize people isn't it? And when you actually sit down and hear their story, they become human again. And it's really hard to hate a human being that you see as a human being that you haven't demonized. All right. Off the soapbox now. So what did, what did he say? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's a timeless truth, isn't it? So again, principles become values and we internalize them. And that's something of great importance to us. For instance, your values should not determine, be determined by your life. They should govern your life. Your values should not be determined by your actions. They should govern your actions. How about this? Let's get real practical. Your values should not be determined by your business. They should govern your business. So is this making sense? So values are an internal roadmap. And so can you see the difference here? Again, how one person may have a different value that you don't hold dear, but how we also can come together and say, I can agree to disagree, but I love you as a person because you're a human being with, with you, know, um, you know, aspirations and goals and loves and hurts and different things in life and being able to see people as truly human. I love this quote by Ken Blanchard. He's an American author, business consultant, and motivational speaker. You've heard this quote before, but I like what he says. He said this, nice guys may appear to finish last, but usually they're running a different race. Isn't that good? Because we've heard, right? Nice guys always finish last. But I love this. Well, they're not even the same race. What are you talking about? So oftentimes that's what happens when it comes to these values is we're wondering why some people, why are you doing what you're doing? You, you know, you're going to finish last year. You're not even, well, they're not even in the same race as you. They see things differently. And so you have to determine where am I in this life? What is a value to me? What principles do I have that I need to internalize so it can become a roadmap for my life, for my goal setting, and what I've endeavored to do? 
So that quote really hit my heart. So say this with me. I have decided to embrace and practice right values. Some of us, maybe we need to begin to take some of those principles and internalize those things. They, be, they, they need to become dear to us and become a value. So really the, the two main things today, number one, it's all about taking responsibility. When we do this, it will help us begin to see the goals that we set to become a reality. It's a daily discipline that's necessary for success. And number two, setting values in my life. Setting values in your life. It will help us to navigate the roadmap for the goals that I've set or you have set for your future. And I believe it's really important and it's necessary for values to govern our decisions on a daily basis. Daily disciplines to practice our responsibility and values. Did you get something out of that? I, I really hope that at the beginning of this new year that we've helped you to take that snapshot, to be honest with yourself to where you are, to maybe get yourself to a place where you want to be. Because maybe some of that snapshot doesn't line up with where you want to be in life, and that's okay. So I'm hoping that these steps can help you. My prayer is that it's given you a hope for your future, um, to have maybe a true grace-driven inspiration to both set and achieve better goals in your life. And like I said before, this is very spiritual because everything's connected. And sure, next week we'll probably get into some deeper theology. You know I love doing that and tearing apart the Greek and Hebrew and what does it really mean and the why was it written. But I, I believe that we have to make sure that we're keeping things practical in our life too. There, there's got to be ways that we can apply these things in our life. And as we're successful, guess what? We begin to see that we have purpose. Listen, we all have purpose. We're called to be a part of the body of Christ. And that extends way beyond the four walls of the church. It's not just about in these walls. I think it's more about out there than in here. There should be a connection that we have that goes outside these four walls with the, the motivation, the inspiration that we want to help others discover their gifts, their abilities, who they are. This is really about the part that we all play in this world. Say, I have a part to play in this world. So don't let anyone tell you that your part is less than anyone else. I believe that we're all essential to the body. I believe that we're all essential to the world. So the question is, as we wrap this and bring it to a close, what's next? My answer, you tell me. Only you know your life, right? So start setting those goals. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.